welcome to Hardvark Avarice. I am your host, Scott Howard. Ow! I'd like to thank our sponsors, Thoracic Park, who are the evolution of chiropractic care. Do you have searing back pain? Do you feel your spine is being ripped from your body? The doctors at Thoracic Park won't stop until they've hunted down the problem. After all, quality care is in their DNA. Once again, I find it necessary to reiterate that this is not a conspiracy. Non omnis moriar. Happy Halloween, Arvarkians! For the next two episodes, I'll be going off script. I know, that's totally not like me. I've decided to do a little spooktacular special, and as a bonus, it's a two-parter. No, it is not me covering the entire soundtrack to Rocky Horror Picture Show. But hey, there's always next year. I'd like to think my version of Dr. Frankenfurter's sweet transvestite is to die for. Nope. In light of the holiday, we are diving into the devilish world of fiction. Aardvark Avarice is proud to present the short story, The Werewolf and the Sociopath. This is part one. I hope you enjoy it. Cheers. The Werewolf and the Sociopath A werewolf walked into a Starbucks. Actually, it kind of loped into a Starbucks. As you can imagine, a werewolf would, looming over the patrons. There was a collective gasp in the cafe, as every person who witnessed the werewolf could not suppress their shock as they would, say, a frilly goth, or ugly transgender, or even a public nudist. It was San Francisco, after all. Still, in the presence of a very large and undoubtedly real lycanthrope, the entire Starbucks stopped chatting, sipping, and gobbling to stare at the proverbial werewolf in the room. Except for the D-bag in the blue linen suit and loafers with no socks, watching the market on his laptop, embarking at his broker over a latte. He was interrupted by a poignant hiss by a neighboring woman, followed by an expressive scowl and point that said, Hey buddy, there's a werewolf in the cafe, and we are all staring in abject horror. Get with the program! The D-bag realized the freak show in progress, and did indeed get with the program after ordering 100 shares of frozen concentrated orange juice. After scanning the faces gawking at him, the werewolf stalked between tables while people tried casually to shy away from him in repressed terror. He took up a position at the end of a very long service line, where he stood and waited. Directly in front of the werewolf was a 20-something Japanese-American fella, who was desperately hanging on to the hipster denim and tweed fashion. Unfortunately for the Zoomer, even by Asian stereotypes, he was a short little guy who found himself staring at the werewolf's belly button protruding under the ripped and shredded black tuxedo the creature wore. Mentally, he recognized the werewolf was an Audi, before slowly raising his head and staring up at a massive maw dribbling drool off six-inch fangs. It breathed in ragged, heaving breaths, and there was a pungent odor of rancid meat. The werewolf tilted his head down to gaze back with milky yellow eyes. A high-pitched whining noise emanated from the little fella, and he went so pale with eyes so big 
the Japanese of Japanese American was nearly unrecognizable. Very, very slowly, the little fella took tiny step by tiny step, inching his way out of line and then around the werewolf. The werewolf shrugged and then took a step forward to close up the line, much to the chagrin of the couple in front, who were rethinking their yearly tradition of visiting the site of their first date. The werewolf sneezed, turning his head to the side and failing miserably to cover his mouth with his armpit. A blue-haired woman, with an obsession for rhinestones, was in the direct line of fire. She held up her bejeweled arms and hands, feeling the wolf phlegm on her face. Everyone watching knew what was coming next, but they all still hopped in their seats as she let out an ear-shattering scream. Leaving behind her half-consumed Americano and bran muffin, the blue-haired woman fled the Starbucks with much wailing and spastic arm-waving. The crazed woman became the leak that broke the dam. Just seconds later, there was a frenzy of shrieks and squeals, unmanly bellows, and one, Oh Lord, I don't want to die! Herbal teas and egg bites were abandoned, and hysterical socialites, techies, retirees, suits, and even an actuary bolted for the exit. The mass exodus ignored the chivalry of women and children first, and embraced survival of the fittest. Elbows were thrown, shins kicked, and strollers were used as battering rams. Animal instinct took over, centering on flight from the werewolf and fight anybody in the way. For citizens of San Francisco, it was a very unseemly display of panic as they retreated into the street. It took a few moments for the werewolf to collect himself. He looked around and noticed that one person remained in the cafe. A single barista stood behind the register. The barista was in her early twenties, of average height, with a slim build and medium-length blonde hair in a ponytail held in place by a Starbucks visor. She wore the green Starbucks apron over a black collared shirt and khaki pants. On first glance, the barista seemed pretty, but also aloof. Then he realized she wasn't aloof at all, but instead utterly devoid of emotion, and the way her shuttered eyes stared at you made even the werewolf uncomfortable. He shook it off and walked up to the counter, picking a couple of spilled chairs and setting them right along the way. Welcome to Starbucks. What can I get started for you today? Deadpan the barista with as much inflection as a droning priest giving a sermon on Leviticus at Sunday Mass. The werewolf looked at the menu on the wall behind her, made what he thought was a thinking noise in his throat, but sounded more like a growling St. Bernard warning an alley cat to stay away from his kibbles and bits, and then returned his gaze to the barista. Carmel Macchiato, the werewolf said. His voice was not unlike a chain-smoking goat talking with a throat full of cud. What size would you like? Uh, large? Venti? Is that the largest size you have? No, that would be Trenta. It's thirty ounces, but the caramel macchiato doesn't come in Trenta. Venti, then. Can I interest you in a cake pop? We have cookies and cream, birthday cake, and chocolate. Uh, no thank you. What name can I put on the order? Um, Smith. That will be 517. 
Will this be cash or charge? The werewolf paused. His eyes got larger. He patted the back of his eviscerated pants, where the ripped pocket dangled empty. I seem to have lost my wallet. You can tap, the barista suggested. Checking the inside pocket of his tuxedo jacket, the werewolf fumbled for a bit with his ungainly claws, but produced a cell phone. He poked at the screen with his long nails. <laughs> Sorry, he said as he struggled to bring up their appropriate app. He cracked the screen and winced as much as a werewolf can wince. Almost got it. There, he said, and tapped the phone on the credit card reader. Thank you. Your drink will be ready momentarily. If you could please step to the side while you wait so others can be served. The werewolf looked behind him and then back at the barista who continued to stare at him. As directed, the werewolf moved to the side near the end of the counter, where a sign read, Order Pickup. The barista left the cash register and prepared the drink. When it was finished, she placed it on the counter. Smith, she said with a touch more volume to her voice. Caramel macchiato. The werewolf took the large cup and moved it to a table that didn't have abandoned food or drink cups. He chose one by the window and sat in a chair nearest the glass. When the werewolf raised the drink, he contemplated the logistical difficulties of his canine mouth and the human-centric design of the little sippy hole. Unable to figure out how to drink without spilling coffee in his lap, the werewolf took off the cap. Even then, he had to purse his wolf lips and drink with the very end of his mouth. The werewolf grunted after the coffee burned his tongue. He blew on it briefly and then set it aside to cool while he people-watched. A child holding a dripping rocket pop stomped up to the window to make an ugly face at the werewolf. Crossing his eyes and lolling his tongue, the werewolf gave as good as he got. When the child laughed, his mother's attention shifted from her all-important phone call to the fact that her child was goofing off with a werewolf. She pulled the child away with a shocked expression and scuttled down the sidewalk. The werewolf gazed after them with what could only be described as lament. From a nearby door marked employees only, the barista appeared without her apron, holding a sandwich and a drink. She sat at the table right next to the werewolf and began to eat. The werewolf looked around for another witness to this peculiarity. Excuse me, but why are you sitting there? He couldn't help asking. It's my lunch break, the barista replied. I typically sit at your table, facing east. I find it to be the most comfortable seat in which to eat. This is my backup table. Not as comfortable, but I manage. You're... you're not afraid of me? I don't experience fear like typical people, she said, looking at the werewolf without expression. Is that why you served me instead of running out like everyone else? Starbucks does not discriminate with customers, whether gender, race, religion, or political affiliation. I surmise that applies to mythological creatures. Or furries. This isn't a costume. I am a werewolf. Still, that is irrelevant. I think serving you is in keeping with Starbucks' written rules. I like written rules. They help us all know where we stand and what we should be doing. There's no guesswork like people's unwritten rules. Aren't you at all concerned about your personal safety sitting next to me? 
As far as I can tell, you have not caused nor even threatened harm intentionally on anyone. And as I said, it is my lunch break. I only get a half hour, and this is my schedule. Those are the written rules. Your table is preferable, but I can tolerate this one until I'm finished. I have not been able to tolerate anywhere else. You can have this table if you want, the werewolf offered. I can move. I recognize that is a kind gesture, but I've been told not to insist on table changes with customers. Against the rules. Unwritten rules, she muttered. The werewolf paused. You're really not afraid of me? No. Well, um, you can join me if you want. He pointed a claw to the seat opposite. The barista looked at the werewolf and then at the empty chair. Yes, I think that would be preferable. We don't even have to talk, the werewolf said as she moved to the table. I do not mind conversation, the barista replied. A bald, rotund African-American man in a gray suit entered the Starbucks. Seeing it empty, he stopped two steps inside. When the man noticed the werewolf sitting with a young woman by the window, he took off his round glasses, wiped them with his tie, and then put them back on. The werewolf remained, now drinking a cup of coffee. He glanced at the restroom sign at the back of the cafe, gauged the distance between he and the lavatory, as well as the distance to the werewolf. The rotund man then calculated the distance of the Dunkin' Donuts two blocks away and the severity of his full bladder. That severity increased exponentially with every second he stayed in the same room with a werewolf. He decided, should the worst happen, there was a men's warehouse on the way to Dunkin', versus the possibility of disembowelment by a savage fantastical monster. The rotund man backed out of the Starbucks knowing full well he would indeed stop at the men's warehouse. How is it that you're not afraid of me? The werewolf asked the barista. I am most often referred to as a high-functioning sociopath, or a person with antisocial personality disorder, although some have tried to place me on the autism spectrum. Neuroatypical or neurodivergent, if you will. The label is irrelevant. As such, there are very few things I am afraid of. Well, that must be nice. On the contrary, lack of fear, along with empathy and other emotions, make it difficult for me to relate to people. It makes navigating the basics of life, work, school, friends, very difficult. She paused. I imagine being a werewolf is similar. I'm not really sure. This is kind of all new to me. How long have you been a werewolf? Only about four days. There hasn't been a full moon at all this week. That doesn't seem to matter. You haven't changed back to human, the barista said, more as a statement than a question. No, I hope I'm wrong, but it appears that doesn't apply either. Interesting. I've been holed up in my apartment trying to figure out what my next move is. Finally, I just got stir-crazy and I just had to get out. I thought, hey, this is San Francisco. There are so many unusual people walking around, maybe they won't notice. I went for the most normal thing I could think of. Coffee. He looked around at the Starbucks. I think people noticed. You were probably wondering why I'm wearing a tuxedo. No. Oh. Okay. 
I have no interest in fashion. Are tuxedos a new hipster trend? It was for my wedding. Hmm, the barista hummed, not bothering to mask her disinterest and turning her attention to a group of gawking pedestrians outside the window. At that moment, a police officer entered the Starbucks. Officer Dave was a middle-aged man who stopped bothering to hide his donut gut years ago. He preferred people address him by his first name and was content with his lot on the force. That was until he responded to reports of a wild animal in a Starbucks and discovered what he hoped would be a stray dog was actually a werewolf. Officer Dave stood in the doorway, pausing to assess the situation. At least, that's what he tried to convince himself of. In reality, he was trying to figure out how he could hand this call over to another officer. Any other officer. Preferably Randy over in Vice, who lorded his detective badge over him every chance he got. Failing in this endeavor, Officer Dave ran a hand through his sweaty, short-clipped hair, patted his holster to make sure his gun was there, and hoped his face wasn't tomato red. Officer Dave walked up to the werewolf and barista. Excuse me, Mr. Werewolf? Smith, the werewolf said. The officer jumped at the creature's voice. My name is Mr. Smith. Yes, Mr. Smith. I'm Officer Dave of the SFPD. I've been asked by the manager of Starbucks to instruct you to depart the premises. Please, he added for good measure. I understand, the werewolf said and started to rise. He does not have to leave, the barista spoke up. The werewolf paused, half-crouched over the chair. Excuse me? Officer Dave said. According to Article 33 of the San Francisco Discrimination Prohibition Ordinance, no person should be denied, directly or indirectly, the full and equal enjoyment of the goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, and accommodations of any business establishment or public accommodation based on a person's actual or perceived race, color, ancestry, national origin, place of birth, sex, age, religion, creed, disability, sexual orientation, gender identity, weight, or height. But, but he's a werewolf. Irrelevant. If said werewolf has not posed any threat to people or property, then the mere fact that he is a werewolf is irrelevant. He has every right to sit in the Starbucks and eat, drink, and use the public facilities. Officer Dave didn't know what to say. For one, the young girl had said the word. Discrimination. And this was San Francisco. The werewolf sat back down. I think I'm going to stay, he said, picking up his coffee cup. The werewolf went through the difficult task of taking a sip, making sure to slurp as loud as possible. Uh, <laughs> are you sure? The officer said, trying to force a good-natured smile. I mean, there are women and children and little babies and emotional support animals that use Starbucks, and, and you are... What is he? The barista asked, fixing the officer with a withering glare. Well, uh, you're a werewolf, he said again, exasperated. Irrelevant, the barista repeated. The werewolf chuckled, but ended up spilling some of his coffee. He stood up quickly. 
Officer Dave took a step back and his hand went to the gun on his belt. I'm just going to get a napkin. For the spill, the werewolf said. He walked over to the counter, tweezed a few napkins from the holder with his claws, and then resumed his seat at the table. The officer hadn't moved, with his hand still on the top of his police-issued clock. How do you know all that ordinance stuff, the werewolf asked the barista. I'm studying to be a lawyer. Similar to rules, I like laws, especially when they are written clearly. I know a number of laws about police harassment. They both turned to look at Officer Dave. Right, right, he said. Right, well, um, let's all be safe. He took a few steps towards the door. And have a good day. Ugh, this report is totally going to suck, he mumbled to himself. Before leaving, he turned in the doorway, trying to come up with a reason to stay, but he ended up exiting nonetheless. Lawyer? the werewolf said to the barista. Yes, I'm in my first year of law school. Well, you've seemed to have picked up quite a bit. It helps that I had multiple arrests and court appearances as a teenager for various acts of violence. The werewolf started, which for werewolves is a spastic shake of the ears and a tilting of the head. Oh? I struggle with the intricacies of authority, but I am very familiar with the emotion anger, the barista said in her usual tone. So you spent time in jail or juvie? I was never convicted. Trying to punish a person in San Francisco with a diagnosed mental health and developmental condition is almost as difficult as discriminating against them. For that reason, I decided to become a lawyer. Laws not only help define how people should act, but I realize they can also be manipulated when some of us do not act appropriately. I see, the werewolf drew out. If, if you don't mind me asking, what exactly did you do? I stabbed a person, the barista said. It was the first time her tone showed any inflection. If the werewolf wasn't mistaken, he thought her tone was even enthusiastic. That concludes part one of The Werewolf and the Sociopath. I want to again thank our sponsor, Thoracic Park, who guarantee if your spinal alignment is a Tyrannosaurus wreck, you've come to the right place. Utilizing the latest in massage therapies, we dig our claws into your back until we devour your pain. Until next time, this is Remus Lupin saying, be good, be kind, and enjoy the Eden. Mischief managed. <laughs> Nothing, 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 nothing